We are live. How are you doing? Doing great. Yeah? How's your morning going? So far, so good. It's been pretty exciting. Um, yeah? Took my dog over to the dog park. She jumped out, chased <sighs> after a deer, crossed Tubbs Hill. Yeah? Tell us. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, she... Well, this is the fourth time she's bolted, jumped over a fence. <laughs> um, she gets whiff of a, an animal and just smells... Yeah. that animal and we'll go after it and then when there is an animal things get really exciting how we've had she, uh four four how long have you had her if you had her um about three months now oh so yeah you, okay so you where did you get her from was she from she was from montana and she got taken to a shelter and uh the sister of the owner of the shelter took her to Spokane and uh, they experienced the same thing, but the dog was getting into the neighbor's chickens and doing some very bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so what made you uh, take her or decide to? Well, the wife has wanted a companion for our dog we have now. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, no, I kept saying no. And then I saw this dog and went, oh man, I got out of that dog. And she's trained on command for everything except when there's an animal present. She goes into a different personality. Yeah. Her emotions kind of get yeah. the best of her. So and you said you've got another dog then as well? Yeah. What kind? A golden doodle. A go- okay, yeah. so what they're, kind is Murphy? Murphy's a golden doodle so too, doodles, yeah. but one has more of the poodle gene and the other one has the golden retriever gene. Interesting. They, they're same breed, but... So what's the difference that you notice? Um, well, they, they have two different personalities. The poodle's a little more hyper. Yeah. Murphy's our, our baby Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that nickname. I think that matches the area quite nicely. Um, all right. Well, this is episode four of the Interviews with Realtors podcast by Skylight Tours. We are interviewing Lance Tullis today with Coldwell Banker Schneidmiller Realty. Uh, Lance, go ahead and tell me a little bit about your background, who you are, how you got into real estate. Okay. I'm going to give you the 500 mile per hour, 10,000 foot view. Perfect. Let's hear it. We'll get into minutia. So my first real job, uh, I was a school principal for 14 years. And uh, from there, I was part of a big annexation from the the county into the city. And uh, we were developing a a private school, mm-hmm. um, beautiful campus overlook the ocean. I mean, it's where you wanted yeah. to build a private school, but behind us overlook the ocean. So where is this at? Uh, this is down in the central coast of California, Pismo okay. beach. Okay. Um, so in that process, I became fascinated with the way planning works behind the scenes. You're dealing with lawyers, you're dealing with city managers, you're dealing with planners, engineers. Yeah. Um, You're meeting with people who oppose the project and you're trying to find that compromising place or that place where we can both agree and still progress and still progress. And that went on for uh, 10 years of my career was focused on this development. Really? So is it the first 10 years then of of being? Uh, It was the latter 10. Okay. Um, But in that process... I just thought, I want to be on the other side of this process and help a guy like me who has 
no idea how to get a project approved. So I went back to school, got a master's in public administration. So I went from school principal to the goal of being a city manager. Well, nobody told me that it takes years to break the glass ceiling. <laughs> you either start in public administration and you work your way up yeah. or you know somebody that's going to give yeah. you a break. Well, um, I made it up to the county level of administration. And then in the process, um, we moved. We moved up to Coeur d'Alene. And uh, at that time, there was an assistant city manager, manager position available. Um, but they redid their budget and took that position out and assigned the city manager position to three different people. Oh. So it was a, a smart move on their part as far as saving money. Um, but that left me with, what do I do? I can work in Spokane or try to find a job on the West. Well, so what was it that brought you up to Coeur d'Alene? So my w wife is from Coeur d'Alene. Okay, so you had roots here. Yeah, so her family was here. And really what drove us was we had rented an Airbnb uh, for a week. Uh, I'd never been up here. Just a vacation kind of a thing? Yeah, my wife would come up every year, see her friends and family, and she finally drug me up here. Yeah. We came up for a celebration of life. And, uh, you know, it was smoky, it was hot, and I just didn't see the charm. You, <laughs> I could, you, came, you came in I, the wrong time. I couldn't even see across the lake. Yeah. It was that smoky. So, anyways, fast forward a year, and people that we rented the house from said, hey, we're going to move to Florida. We're just taking the clothes off of our back, or their, our clothes, and yeah. what we're wearing, and uh, gave us a price. And I didn't know anything about the market up here. But if you can imagine buying a house by the lake for less than 400000 Yeah, which is hard to believe now. Hard to believe that. Um, I didn't see it, but my wife had the intuition. She said, you don't understand. Yeah. Even if we don't move there, this is a great investment. And it was. Um, so we did move up here because of the house. <laughs> I don't recommend people do that. <laughs> I recommend you have a job first oh, yeah. and then move. So anyways, fast forward, I ended up landing an admin job at Kootenai Health and then COVID hits. Oh, so that was probably what, 2018, 19 then? Yeah. Okay. And I didn't have the kind of job that was reimbursable by medical procedures or insurance, yeah. you know, it was, so anyways, um, got a nice letter and a nice check and said, thank you. <laughs> and it's like, I came home and I said, wife, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm never working for a board or anyone for that matter. Whatever I'm going to do in life, I got to figure this out. Yeah. So we went to a wedding at Deer Park. Okay. And it was, it was so magnificent. And it was at a, on five acres um it's a deer park's gorgeous yeah most of it is yeah and it's a little rural um it which is. is great um I've, I've photographed a few listings up there yeah I mean, each and every time i go over there i mean the house isn't always everything on the property it's usually the property the location the isolation right yeah it, yeah and the house was a beautiful victorian oh um and so anyways rumor went around that the venue was for sale so it was like eleven thirty at night 
I was not really into dancing. Yeah. <laughs> I was just kind of yeah. floated to the back of the venue, and this guy was standing there, really gruff looking. And I said, uh, I introduced myself, and he was irritated because everything was supposed to shut down, and he had, you know, had to get his team out there and mm. clean up everything, and we were going a little late. So I introduced myself, and he introduced himself, and he said he was the owner of the venue. I took a sip of wine and took a deep breath, and I said, well, rumor is that this is for sale. The guy put got a big smile on his face. He goes, actually, it is. We became good friends, and we're in the process of buying the venue. Mm-hmm. And then... <clears throat> This is how I get into real estate, to answer your question. Yeah, no, I'm seeing the transition. So um, I just figured, you know, we're going to be out there, and weddings are only from May to October, mm-hmm. and then gives me plenty of time to do something else. Yeah. And you're not doing weddings all day. You're doing them at night. So, yeah. Um, and you can delegate a lot of those tasks to Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it was a great opportunity. So fast forward, a client of my wife's was opening a brokerage, and she said, you guys should come on as a team. I said, well, why not? Yeah, I said, you got nothing else to lose. Got nothing to lose. So I got my license in Washington and also got licensed in Idaho. It was Washington first. Washington was first um, because there was no online classes for Idaho at the time. Uh, okay. So I figured, okay. well, let's do Washington first. Again, the little COVID monster yeah. came back and bit me again. They shut down wedding venues. <laughs> right. And I, at the 11th hour, I said, wife, I can't take this stress. Yeah. I got no guarantee that we're going to have revenue next year. I don't care if they're doing weddings right now without permission, mm. but I can't do it in good conscience and get shut down or get sued or whatever might happen. Have more problems unfold. Yeah. So it's a little tricky time in our life. We sold our house. So I was homeless for 48 hours. (laughs) (laughs) I decided not to move to Washington. I mean, we could have had a house, but because I pulled out at the 11th hour, it just couldn't take the risk. Yeah. Um, We had to find a place to stay. Well, Try finding a place in 48 hours around here. Um, we had plenty of with money. no connections, with no real network. Yeah, yeah. We called around and talked about network. We could have stayed because we were 90 days out on buying the place in Washington. Mm-hmm. So we had to buy 90 days worth of time if we were going to stay in the deal. Mm-hmm. So we, had, we were going to have to move four times in that 90 days because we'd find somebody that said, well, I'm going to be away for two weeks you can stay at my place or yeah i got a place but um i'm only gonna rent it for 30 days and we're putting it on the market and this was just a chain of events so i look at this house and it'd been on the market like 72 days something's wrong with this house but i'm gonna go look at it anyways so we go up there um this is up above dalton gardens about 15th street turns into east lookout I drive up, and I'm like, nothing wrong with this house. Go through the house, nice house. I get to the backyard, and there's a string across the property that says, 
uh, a retaining wall and a six foot fence will be going approximately right here. Hmm. And I looked at it. I tried to envision what a six foot fence would look like in a retaining wall. And I didn't have a problem with it. I still had a backyard. Sun yeah. still came in. And uh, fast forward, we ended up renting the house for 30 days because we couldn't get escrow to close sooner uh, than that. Gotcha. So we rented from the owner and then bought the house. We've been there going on three years. Wow. Yeah. So, so a stressful transition from California over to not even just North Idaho, but Spokane first and then Idaho. Well, we, we were always in Coeur d'Alene, but the opportunity to go to Deer Park yeah. came oh, up. Okay. Yeah. Cause you got the lake house. Yeah. That, that one. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, so, you know, the 80, 20 rule, right? 20% of my activity drives 80% of my revenue. So that was happening in Coeur d'Alene. I could do more deals yeah. in one week and time-wise than I could in Washington. I yeah. just wasn't getting the traction that I thought I would get over there. So um, worked for Coldwell as a solo agent for about a year and then joined uh, the Darren Miller Group. Why did you choose Coldwell? Um, actually, Darren Miller sold me on it. Okay. Um, How did you meet Darren? So Darren and Jen were the first people we met outside the family when we got here. My wife's a hairstylist, and she worked at Jay Miller's salon. It's a hell of a connection to land, man. Yeah. Just randomly land. Yeah. Darren's a good guy. He's awesome, man. He, he will go the extra 200 miles yeah. to take care of Anybody. his friends and Insane. family. What do you think he has a, a care for? Yeah. And so... It was a great run, um, but the market started changing, and I just didn't know yeah. what was going to happen by the end of the year. Would I be get going back to California? Would we be moving right. to Oregon, Washington? I didn't know. You had multiple options that you, had, you, you could pursue. Yeah, I could have gone back into education or public administration. Yeah. Um, so we went down to California, put a couple of applications in, and all of a sudden my phone started ringing. And I had business till the end of the year, but I didn't feel like it was fair to Darren because I didn't know that the change was going to occur. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't feel like it was fair for Darren to have somebody not entirely invested in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so with the market shifting the way it did, I had to step back and just go: Do I really, really want to do this? Because everything I know is not working right now. I've got to invent new ways yeah. to make it in this market. And when I say make it, I mean be in the top 10. Yeah. Not of, just get by, but actually right. make an impact. Make an impact and maybe just redefine the way it's done. I don't know. <laughs> I, so, no, I, I like truly that. don't know. It's, it's a good opportunity for a transitionary statement then. So what is it that you would define as the right way to do real estate here? What is What are the values that you now hold yourself to? Be 100% committed to the game. Like, yeah. If I've got to work at Winco from 11 right. to 7 at night to pay my mortgage so I can do real estate the next day, that's how committed I am. Yeah. Fortunately, we're not there. Yeah, I was going to say, I think <laughs> you haven't told me you had to work at Winco. I'm glad. Uh, but you got to get in that mindset yeah. of, look, if you're going to make it, you're, you're going to have to go harder than 
anybody else. And so that's one of the lessons I've learned from that Think and Grow Rich book yeah. that, that you mentioned that I was reading when we first walked in here. Yeah. It's that when you make the decision, there is no more thinking about it after that decision is made. Right. You're, you've made it. Right. Now all your energy goes towards that. It focuses towards that. Absolutely. So you've got to believe that you can make it happen, yeah. even if you don't have the answers. Yeah. Yes. A hope yeah. and a wish is not enough. Belief. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I've tried to align myself with successful realtors outside of our area. Um, Ryan Searhout being one out of New York. Um, he's got a new book coming out that's the tr the end of the trilogy. That's uh, branded Searhout way. And uh, so, what are you doing that you've learned from him? What are you do What are you implementing into your own workflow? Taking huge, crazy risks. Like I put a twenty four million dollar listing out on. X, formerly known as Twitter, yeah, and I tagged Ryan Serhant and Billionaire Magazine. Billionaire Magazine retweeted it onto their site, and I got a thousand hits oh, on a twenty-four million dollar listing. It drove my website up, and it's like, all right, we're well, going to do that, this. Let's, let's talk about this twenty-four million dollar listing. Yeah, how did you get that? So it's not my listing; it's on MLS. Okay, and it's actually. I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose who owns it or not. Okay. Let's just put it this way. If you disclose it and then you find out after the podcast that you're not allowed to, I'll make sure I mute that part out so you know. I'll say it in a general, general way. Okay. One of the largest real estate holding companies in the world owns that as their corporate center. Oh, shit. Yes. I think I have an idea of who. Yes. Um, if you've been listening to the news lately yeah. and about yeah. private corporations buying up real yeah. estate, that's who it is. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, taking risks like that. Like if I'm going to lean into this and scale up my business, I've got to so do stuff like that. Who is your ideal client? It's the client who, you know, I, I always pitch this like, Find the place that fits your lifestyle, right? So it's yeah. somebody who yeah. who knows kind of sort of what they want, but they don't know exactly what they want. So my job is to work with them, listen to, the, to them, maybe show them something outside of the box that they haven't thought about yet. Um, but it's the decisive client. That's my ideal client. Um, I typically work with older buyers, although I've, I've worked with younger buyers as well. Um, but there are people who who know this market that, you know, we're, we're not talking about millions and millions of houses to sell. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a, so yeah, back to the client. They just, they're here to stay. I don't really work with an investment client. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I was, I was trying to delineate kind of where your, your focus was there. So it's, it's somebody that's going to make this their home for a long period of time. Yeah. That, yeah. Although I, I do have um, a pocket listing that's commercial on the lake. It's waterfront to build a new marina, restaurant, oh, very cool. and boutique hotel. Um, but the, um, the owner doesn't want to put it on MLS. He just said, take it, run with it. I don't care. Yeah. Where you go, how you do it, he just doesn't just, wanna... just sell it. Not through MLS, though. Yeah. What, what, what was yeah. his reasoning for that? Um, he 
he just felt that it was probably not going to be the right way to do it. Huh. Um, he, he figured that by going through Coldwell and pitching it to our agents, somebody would have a local buyer for it. Yeah, okay. And we're actually in negotiations with a local buyer right now. So the process worked. Or the strategy worked. We hope. I mean, it is working. We I have guess. a pen. Yeah, we so. have a pen. The final. Yeah. Uh, don't don't count contract. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always tell people, we're not celebrating until those keys are in your hand. Don't cash your eggs until they hatch. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so you, you see, you do talk a lot about lifestyle. I know that's a lot of what your brand is actually around. Um, having helped you at least with a, little, a couple projects now yeah. towards that. So what is your lifestyle? Where did you Where did you gain that idea from? Um, is it from your lifestyle or is it from people that you know that, that you've seen build this as their home and yeah. I, so I, you know, I show a lot of houses and, um, people, they might have dogs, right. And the house has carpet in it. I'm thinking, this is not the best option for your lifestyle. You've got two yeah. dogs and yeah. You've never lived in the north, North Idaho, so you don't know what it's like to go through winter with two yeah. dogs. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you're willing to convert that carpet into LVP, something that easily cleans up, this is the right house yeah. for you. But if you're not willing to make that investment, so almost like a sort of sense of realistic expectations that you you place for your clients. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you're not you're not just trying to sell the house. Right. I get that. You know, or, or I'll work with an older couple and maybe. They're wanting to slow down, and they, yeah. but they've got, you know, they want 10 acres. And I just asked yeah. the question, well, are you sure you want to be on the tractor and yeah. keeping the fence up and doing everything it takes to keep up 10 acres? So what do you believe then separates you from other agents that are attempting to do the same thing? What, 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 what do you bring that's more valuable, I guess, to the table? If, if you had put yourself next to three or four other agents that would have pitched a similar pitch, yeah, and you were trying to win over a client and you were trying to, to show them why you were the better option, what would that option, or what would that be? Right. So my job, I mean, if you put a title on it, is I'm a salesperson, right? Uh -huh. So what am I selling? Am I selling just real estate? No. I'm selling contentment and happiness and peace about buying this house. Um, are other people doing that? Yes, I think they are. But I think deep down as I care more about yeah. the outcome of my relationship with that person, those people, and what it's going to be like when I walk away. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure that it's the right thing for everybody. So at that point, I'm no longer a salesperson. I'm a fiduciary. <laughs> I'm responsible yeah. for the financial decision that for most people, you know, probably 99% of people buying houses, this is the biggest financial step yeah. in their life. And I, I feel that. Yeah. And it's not just a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. And so I hope that sets me apart. That so what is the... Uh I mean, you've obviously been up here for at least, how long have you been in North Idaho now? What's the... Uh, we're on number six. Yeah. Six years now. I mean, that's enough time yeah. to kind of get a great idea of what this area has to offer. What is the uh, overall lifestyle of North Idaho? I mean, we're sitting here. I know that through the camera, they can see Coeur Resort, the flag, a lake kind of behind there. But 
Yeah. What there's, in my opinion, having lived up here basically my whole life, there's multiple sectors of North Idaho that have different lifestyle orientations. Yeah. Um, what would you say uh, those lifestyles are? How would you describe North Idaho, I guess, to somebody that has never heard of it? Yeah. So I guess it depends on which season we're talking about. Yeah. But that's yeah. the flow of North Idaho yeah. is. I was going to say, I think that's part of it. It's just a wonderful place to live. Yeah. I mean, right now it's 30 plus degrees outside. The sun's out. And kind of amazing. We haven't had snow. Right. You know, it hasn't even really fallen. Yeah. We had what one, one evening to where it snowed a little bit and yeah. that went right away yeah. the next day. Yeah. So yeah, that lifestyle changes every four months or so. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to be skiing in the next three or four weeks, I think. I hope so. And we've, you know, we've got skiing. We've got three of the best resorts in North America right here. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to take it up a notch, you can go across the border up to Canada. It's, yeah. Um, and then get some more snow. More. Yeah. Yeah. If you like to hunt, if you like to fish, if you like to mountain bike, if you like to hike, if you like to just be yeah. outdoors, I mean, within... 10 to 15 minutes you can be away from any other human being yeah yeah i mean we've got canfield mountain right next to the town um beauty bay uh recreational area what would you say the uh because i mean I, I think that certain places they just attract certain kinds of people i mean some people will look at this and go ah i could never i couldn't deal with the inconsistency of the seasons i couldn't deal with uh having to shovel my driveway out every morning as it snows, you know, another foot. Yeah. Um, what kind of person does it attract? That varies. I mean, a lot of people are moving here because they're done with wherever they're moving from. They're done with the politics. They're done yeah. with the high taxes. They're done with the yes. traffic. Um, so with that, that's part of it, right? But... Um, we get what we call snowbirds. And these are people that can afford to live here three months out of the year. Right. And then go back to wherever it's 70 degrees in March. Yeah. You know, is that Arizona? They a lake house or something. That's California, just, yeah. Florida. Yeah. This is just the stopping point in their lifestyle. So do you think that's, uh, you know, kind of a danger to make, make this kind of like a luxury, almost like a vacation spot? Is that a, is that a danger that Coeur d'Alene faces? Well... Yes and no. It depends on which side of the fence you're on. If you're somebody yeah, like true. me trying to sell that lifestyle, that's a that's a plus. That's a plus for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for people who grew up here, and this, it's been like a frog in a kettle thing. And I speak from experience. It came from a small ag town that just happened to have a beach a couple of miles away. So we got the best of both worlds. But over time, it was the frog in a in the kettle effect that slowly prices went up. Yeah. And if you're not sitting there analyzing what's happening 10 years from now, your house and your lifestyle that you could afford is no longer affordable yeah. for your kids. Yeah. Yeah. People can blame realtors, but I would blame bad politics <laughs> i would too i don't think that you should blame the realtors the realtors are the ones i mean there's obviously going to be you know bad people within any industry you've got realtors that only want the money uh, with skylight tours i've tried to only work with realtors that i kind of agree the values on because then i am not feeling friction 
with working with them. I almost feel, and just, I mean, you and I, I mean, we can sit here and talk for a couple hours about ideas, different commercial ideas. There's some stuff that I'm very excited for us to work on that I can't, I'm not going to say on camera quite yet because I want it to be a surprise. Yeah. Um, that you've brought to the table that I think is just fun. <laughs> you know, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but I do think that they're, the, the realtor's job around this area is not to sway the market or to change the market. I don't think that any one realtor is going to be big enough mm -hmm. to actually even do that task anyways. No. Um, and so what, what do you think that the responsibilities of the real estate agent in general, I guess, is? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, we sign a code of ethics and, you know, it depends on which side of the transaction you're on. If you're on the selling side, you're going to present real market data in real time so that you're not going out with, you know, expectations of the seller that you can sell their house for an amount of money that nobody's going to pay for. I mean, you got to be real realistic. And then if I'm working on the buy side, well, I got to find the best deal out there. Yeah. You know, so I guess the, the, the primary responsibility is total honesty along with transparency and timeliness. I mean, if you know that a house is pending, um, you got to be on, on top of that if you're trying to, to buy the house. Yeah. Okay. So if you were to explain to your, your, say somebody that's looking to sell their house and they're deciding on whether or not they want to use you as their agent, what would you, how would you describe the expectations that they can look forward to with working with you? What does it look like to work with you? Well, first and foremost, I let them interview me. I want to sell Lance Tullis yeah. as being the best choice they can make. Uh, as choosing an agent. Mm -hmm. And so I tell them straight up, I work for you. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm interviewing them, if that makes sense. So you don't just work with anybody is what you're saying. Right. I mean, I will know by the end of our conversation if I can meet their expectations. Yeah. And if I can't, then I have to be honest with myself and say, look, you're, you're going to waste a lot of time. Yeah. You're going to have some unhappy clients at the end of the day. So yeah, this isn't going to work. Well, and I think that that's a smart strategy because one client that isn't right for you can totally waste so much of your time and you're never actually getting paid. Right. You know, if, if right. they, if they end up falling through. All right. So I agree with that. And, and time doesn't, time really isn't a factor for me. I think I have a record of 32 houses for one couple um there's some 32 different houses wow. over like a four-month period wow and what was and that happening? doesn't bother you at all no because as long as they're not totally discouraged yeah then i'm motivated and yeah. i'm gonna find them a house so with that process then what does that look like for them do they meet with you multiple times a week multiple times a month uh, how often do you stay in touch do you provide them any kind of a platform to be able to show them houses they've looked at or what is your process then with that yeah so it's it's kind of a combination because um, right now when you put a house on the market you can choose whether or not you want this to go into the idx system and the idx is the internet data exchange system okay and what that means is anybody within that network like zillow realtor and I don't know who else is out there. Yeah. Uh, 
I understand. It, it automatically feeds to them in real time. So if you put it on our MLS, it's going to feed out to Zillow um, in real time. If you change the price on the house or yeah. the price changes or it goes pending. So people have, you know, a way to kind of see what they want before actually yeah. using a realtor. Um, but they still need a realtor yeah. to take on the responsibility of going through the transaction and representing them. Making sure that yeah. you know things go the best way they can. The side of legality. Yeah. 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 Um, and then on the other side of it, uh, we can set up what's called a drip system, and you basically create your parameters: price, location, um, style, mm-hmm. and you can pick a day, or you can just send it out twenty-four-seven. Yeah. I typically pick Thursdays. And if somebody finds a house they like, then we can schedule for the weekend. Gotcha. And I always hope for like two or three on a Saturday, and we'll just line them up. And uh, so Thursday to give that extra day for just the time. Yeah. 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 Is it in this? I've had agents that they they say they swear on Tuesday. They say Friday. You know, yeah. I've, I've had agents yeah. tell me basically every day of the week. Yeah. And there was a time when when that was working. Um, because we had such low inventory, you needed to know with a high demand. Yeah, you needed to know within an hour. Yeah, because there was going to be an offer on the table. That was a stressful time. Um, that was a very that was stressful for me as well. I had agents yeah. that would book a session with me and would ask if I couldn't get it done on the same day because they yeah. wanted to have it on the market as soon as absolutely possible. Yeah, oh, so, I, mean, I was I was seeing the stress in your guys' eyes for sure. It was crazy to sit there and tell somebody. I know it's listed for four hundred. Expect to pay four eighty with yeah. multiple offers. Yeah, and expect to have to counter offer, come back at it. Right, and so you know that. Anyways, that was a crazy time. <laughs> so, again, as our conversation started, it's like we're not in that crazy time yeah. again, and yet we still are in a bit of a crazy time because prices are still yeah, high. They haven't fallen. No. Haven't really fallen at all. What's the inventory looking like right now? You know, a couple months ago, I think we had twenty five hundred houses on the market or properties. Okay, and I think right now we're down to twelve, and that translates into, I think, a little over four and a half months worth of inventory. Huh. So if nobody else put anything out there, it would take about four and a half months for it to cycle through. Yeah, so, yeah I gotcha. To get to sell all the inventory, I gotcha. And that's because houses are. Staying on the market a little bit longer now. Um, there was a point where I think we had 300 houses in the entire county no for sale. 300 Holy houses shit, and vacant land, I should say. Yeah. That was a crazy time. I mean, we had less than a month's worth of, <laughs> worth of, wow. of property. And that really drove prices up. I mean, people wanted so, okay. to live here. So let's let's uh, touch on this topic real quick. So I mean, that kind of a, a feeling within the market would probably attract new agents because of the, the, how quickly you're selling a house, how quickly you can list and sell. So, what do you tell agents that, or tell people that are looking to become an agent that have seen that that think that's the way it is? What do you tell them? So, well, if you want to become a realtor, make sure you've got at least two to three months worth of income saved or have another source of income because unless you're coming to the table with at least five clients ready to go 
even if you sold a house tomorrow, at, at the best, you're, you would not, it, it, unless it was a cash deal, you probably wouldn't see a paycheck for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got to be able to, to understand that we work in 60 to 90 day cycles. Yeah. And you have to have multiple sales going on at the same time to make it to where you know where your money's coming from every and, month. And what do you recommend if you don't? If you're, like, if you're brand new to the game and do you recommend joining a team? Is that you know, like you did with Darren? Or? Yes, uh, that will help coming alongside somebody who's already got traction and they just need to um, make sure they have a body in the house to, yeah. sh- to do open house or they've got more clients than they have time. That is probably the best way to, to dive in. Um, and apart from that, um, you know, it's, it's a tough game. And I think that the statistics are something like, you know, seven out of 10 realtors fall off within two years. I was going to say that actually feels very accurate. I've worked with 130 real estate agents in the last year and a half. And I would say there's probably 20 or 25 maybe that, that come back on a regular basis. I might have some that they come back every three to four months, mm-hmm. um, but they're not, you know, like you to where we touch base every couple of weeks kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that they're leaving me and going to somebody else. They're leaving the industry, they're yeah. leaving the game. They haven't stayed in it. Yeah. You know, cause I keep in contact with a lot of the people that I've worked with and they're just not here anymore. Yeah. You know, they're, they've either moved yeah. away cause they can't afford to stay, but so you, you think that it's, it's a matter of just financial organization. Or do you think it's a matter of ambition? It's a combination thereof. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to. You have to look at the, the big picture and can't, yeah. can't go. Oh wow, that guy, closed ten million dollars in houses. Yeah. Well, what does that really look like? How much work did that take? How yeah. much time did that take? Exactly. Is that five, two million dollar houses? Right. Was it one ten million dollar house? Was yeah. it? Uh, yeah, so I've seen agents that they end up on the top charts from a you know a, a series of like five hundred thousand dollar to eight hundred thousand dollar houses, and I've seen agents that do a fraction of the amount yeah. of listings. But then again, the difference between selling a house that's eight hundred thousand and selling a house that's two to three million, the difference of that process is is quite extravagant. It's would you, would you way think? different. Yeah, yeah, it's way different. So if you take market snapshots, and we get reports every week from title companies about what moved. Um, an ambitious agent will look at what's moving and then how much inventory is in that segment. And that's where you want to be. It's where your ambition should be. Um, you know, my clients are a little bit different. Um, they don't have to have a house right now. They'll wait for the perfect house on the lake or they'll wait for the ideal house on acreage. Yeah. So that's where you mean it's not about timeliness necessarily. Right. And, you know, I just sold three houses and that's a two year investment with people to yeah. get those three houses yeah. sold. Um, I've got a client out of Chicago, um, very high end client, uh, works in uh, Major League Baseball. He's not a player, he's part of a management team. Um, so investing my time there yeah but in the meantime what do i do if, if i'm not selling that person out no. that's where what do I, you do 
I know you've had moments to where you kind of have that nervousness, right? Yeah. To where you don't really know if you're, if the next one's going to come. I know that you have to handle that emotionally, but what do you do to do that? Yeah. So I, I try to keep myself in real world time. So I've yeah. got a client outside of the area. I show him houses every Sunday. He drives from Tri-Cities to see houses. And, and we're at close to the finish line. I mean, even as we talk, um, I'm getting a text that, hey, we've got an offer. Is your guy coming tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I know I'm going to get to the finish line before the end of the year. And then I've got business ready to go once the new year starts. Yeah. So if I didn't have anything going on, back to the Winco conversation. Right. I would I have to tell myself... Yeah. If I'm not in contract by December 15th, this yeah. is reality. Figure something out. Yeah. You have to at least get some income. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you do to consistently keep yourself marketed? Um, so finally, I've stepped up to the social media game. Yeah. Uh, developed my own website, uh, lancetellus.com. Um, I'm still trying to figure that game out. It seems like a lot of energy. Yeah just to create the content yeah. and then you and know, a lot of investment a lot of investment and what i gleaned from people like ryan serhat is you have to be so deliberate with your content and it's like okay i don't even know who's looking at this so yeah. i don't yeah. i don't know what kind of content to create i think you and i've had conversations where we could do some stuff that yeah i said we we're starting to build a strategy i'm, I'm working with you on that now for sure but I'm curious, you know, especially before I came into your life, what, what was your your overall, at least, mental ambitions, even if it didn't transmute into anything physical? Um, it wasn't until this year that I said, this is what I'm going to do for the next 10 years of my life, and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do after that. Yeah. But that strategy comes with real estate being my primary cash flow. And then that cash flow goes into a holding company and mm -hmm. we invest in companies it's just that real estate works a little faster. And, um, I'm not sure I answered the question. We were, we were talking about how, how, how do I, I get myself out there? Yeah. How do you how do you stay consistently marketed? Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's primarily through digital media. Um, but honestly I leave that front door every day and I go across the street to the dock the marina yeah and i make it my goal to talk to at least one new person every single day mm. i've like met that. people from so all over the world you're building a network step by step person by person. well a network of introducing myself yeah, yeah. i haven't yet found the person that goes well we've never been to correlated we're looking for a mm. real estate agent <laughs> yeah yeah uh most people i meet are either at conferences at the resort so I've met people from Texas, okay. Kentucky, Canada. Oh, that's cool. All over. Um, yeah. But they're usually just so visiting. How do you get yourself in there then? How do you start talking to people? Do you just wait for the uh, opportunity to present itself or do you, do you kind of make that opportunity for yourself? I inherited a gift from my grandfather. He just never knew a stranger. Uh, he didn't have any strangers uh, in his life. I like that. And he would just, like for example, the, um, the Gold Rush rally came through all these high-end cars the um mclarens ferraris yeah. high-end porsches they can't they 
Blaze from San Diego to Arizona to Montana or to wow. Utah. I can't remember, but somehow they come back through Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. And then all of a drive. Yeah. And they're driving, you know, multi million yeah. dollar cars. So this guy had a Ferrari jacket on. <laughs> and uh, I said, Hey, are you part of the rally? He goes, What? I said, Your jacket. You got a Ferrari jacket on. He goes, Oh, no. I just like Ferrari. <laughs> and uh, anyways, he was from Texas. First time he'd been to Coeur d'Alene. But I could tell the way he was looking at the water, he was just mesmerized yeah. by, it was a classic day, like in May or something, where we hadn't quite got busy with tourism yet. It was quiet. I said, the icebreaker was, it's a beautiful place, isn't it? He goes, yeah, I've never seen any place like this. I'm going to come back. And so you just, like, you got to yeah. think fast, like, all right. Yeah. Well, if you come back. Give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you, you kind of, what you did there, in my opinion, is is you just displayed the love that you have for this area, you know, and, and you see it in somebody else's eyes. It's not, in my opinion, thinking too much or having to think quick enough. It's being real. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're absolutely honest and transparent, like you've said, yeah. you, you, you tend to not have to think about what you're going to say next. Right. You just say it. Right. It is that way. And, and you know, so back to my... I don't want to give away all my secrets, but <laughs> right. I think it's just being bolder than I've ever yeah. been in my life. I mean, it was easy yeah. to sit at a desk job. All you had to do was follow the rules and you got a paycheck. <laughs> There's no ambition, to, yeah. right? You know, I, I struggled similarly with photography when I was, I think, closer to 18, 19 years old. I was just getting everything going. I was trying to get portrait clientele back then. Um but when I didn't have the business, I, you know, I was just up in my apartment doing nothing. And I was sitting here going, I don't know how I'm, my social media advertisements not working. I couldn't get my website to gain traffic. I had no contacts. I didn't have any connections. I didn't know where the industry really was like networked at. Like, how do I get portrait clients yeah. to begin with? Yeah. It wasn't until I started talking to people and just going places right. and just whether or not it was going into uh, a coffee shop and sitting down next to somebody that yeah. is clearly working on the computer doing something. Yeah. And I, you know, just mention something to them, whatever comes to my mind when I'm in that moment from what, like you said, what they're wearing, what, how they're looking at something, how they're working, how they focused, are they, and you know, that kind of a thing. You gain one connection at a time. Right. And then eventually you get really good at that. Yeah. It becomes natural. Yeah. Um, but it's becoming natural being yourself. Yeah. I think that's the overall goal. Yeah. And that is a big part of it is like, even though I have these heroes in real estate, when I wake up, look in the mirror, I don't yeah. look like them. I don't talk like them. I just know that they're doing something that's awesome. And Which you still provide a shit ton of value. <laughs> like to put it in, in the best terminology that I can. I mean, I, like, like I said, I don't work with just anybody. And so what I see when I look at you is I see a very genuine genuine man i'm not even gonna say a real estate agent like like you said you know the, the general responsibilities of what a real estate agent is that's not all you go after that's not all you hold yourself to yeah it's very clear to that that's why you're willing to work with somebody for two years until yeah. they find a sale yeah um yeah it's absolutely true so when uh, you and seth horse are in 45 yeah, degree yeah. water like that's not me <laughs> uh yeah we're doing it again tomorrow actually <laughs> be glad to take a picture you guys i'm not yeah. getting in that water yeah I'm actually, I'll be setting up the camera tomorrow too and, and recording the whole thing. So you'll get to see how the whole process looks. I'm going to put on my uh, four millimeter or yeah, four mil uh, wetsuit yeah. and join you guys. Uh, yeah, no, that was, that was fun, man. I, 
And Seth got me to do it last summer, just a couple times. And yeah. It was brutal the first couple times I did yeah. it. The first time it was just, I felt like death. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah. second time it was windy and there was a little bit of wakes in the water. Yeah. And that that changed the whole environment. Okay. Because you, every time, you know, the waves would, you know, come up and down from your arms, you'd right. feel that cold, sharp pain. Right. And yeah. But I enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Part of, that's one of the part of lifestyles of Coeur d'Alene right there. And probably when I was your, your age, I felt the same way. But, yeah. you know, living by the beach, you paddle out when it was 45 degrees on the shore, <laughs> walk across ice and jump into water that when you'd go under and you'd come up, there yeah. was so much cold. You had the ice cream headache. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be out there more than an hour or two because your your nerves yep. would start Everything to slows down. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. you couldn't make a a web anymore. You're paddling <laughs> like this. Couldn't feel your feet. It's like, why are we doing this? It feels yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well I think we'll, uh, let's do one more question. I got one more question for you. Okay. If you were to uh give a piece of advice uh, to somebody looking to do something similar that you did, right? Not just any person trying to get into the real estate market, but somebody that wants to match the values, that wants to match the energy and the ambitions that you've placed forth that have obviously gotten you to where you are. What would your piece of advice be to that person? Getting into it just for nothing. Just be 100% you. Bring everything that makes you and don't compromise. Yeah. And if you come to the table and you find that real estate's not the game for you, then just be honest with yourself. Don't yeah. force yourself I like that. into a shape because it's not for everybody. If it was, heck, we'd have real estate schools that you could get a four-year yeah. degree in. And you wouldn't have seven out of ten realtors dropping out of the game. Yeah. You know, so quickly. I agree with that. But, yeah, be 100% genuine and honest with yourself and... And if you find that you're succeeding, then kick ass and keep doing, keep doing it. it. Don't, don't change your... Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right. Well, this has been uh, episode four of uh, the Interviews with Realtors podcast by Skylight Tours. My name is Turner Sutton, the host of this podcast. This is Lance Tullis uh, with Coldwell Banker, Schneidmiller Real Estate. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your day, man. I you appreciate bet. it. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Turner. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.